Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Maff, and today I'm joined by the amazing Edward Freda, who is the CEO and founder of Talia Day Napoli. Edward, how you doing? You ready for a good show? Good. Hey, thank you for having me. I love pizza, so I can't wait for this. This is going to be great. Um, super excited to have you on the show. Also, very interesting backstory. I'm not going to ruin it. I like to make sure that I don't do that right away. So I'd love to give you the opportunity tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, obviously about the business, and we'll kick it off from there. Yeah, thank you. So um, Tali Napoli, so we, we started, we launched operations really uh, in e-commerce in 2019. And and the backstory is, 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 is a bit out of, out of a movie. I was doing something completely different back in the day. I was selling fragrances for Chanel. So um, here I am, I'm in New York, <laughs> then, then in Paris, and I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. It's something I knew about myself. And on a weekend to visit my grandmother in Naples, as Italians do, um, I stumbled into <laughs> this, this pizza factory where, where my uncle is also involved, a family affair. Um, and I, I walk into this room and I see, at the time it was like maybe five pizza chefs that were just flipping dough into the air and screaming at each other. And in the center of the room, there was a massive cryogenic machine. It's a big thing, like kind of out of movie Star Wars with, you know, smoke coming out, like it was the Han Solo machine. Um, they were the freezing. And, and, and my jaw drops to the floor. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they look at me like, if I'm stupid, they're like, well, frozen pizza, obviously. And I'm like, what? And, and what they were doing is that, it's what we have today. They wanted to make a restaurant level authentic Neapolitan pizza that could be frozen and shipped all over the world and sold in supermarkets and online. And so uh, the backstory is I go back and, you know, a few months in, I, I, I wanted to go back to live in New York. I, I decide to to leave Chanel uh, to go start a frozen pizza company. If you say it like that, it sounds insane. Um, and, and it was at the time. My family was very worried. But um, I come back to New York we uh, we fundraise uh, in New York. Uh, we create a brand that, that you mentioned, Tali di Napoli. Uh, and in 2019, we start kind of building the business. But at the time, we're thinking, well, we don't know much about retail yet. Whole Foods doesn't know anything about us. So what's the best thing to do? And for us, it was e-commerce. And, and we realized that there were almost, almost no one was selling frozen pizza online. What would you buy frozen pizza online, you know? And, mm-hmm. But that's what we knew to do. So we, we, we had a phenomenal product. We brought it over. We got all of our FDA licenses and so on. We start selling on e-commerce. We get to January 2020 where we're invested most of our money into building a national e-commerce for frozen pizza, which is, again, the why. And, um, and we're thinking, who's going to buy frozen pizza home in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, tragically, <laughs> the pandemic happened. Yeah. I think I know where this is going. So yeah, well yeah, timed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I knew this board of directors, you know, I- <laughs> and uh, and essentially, what, what was interesting is that when the pandemic started, you know, today the world is and will always be full of foodies, journalists, people that go into restaurants and review them. Well, if you think back to that time, March 2020, those people were all out of a job. So all the editors that are writing about restaurants, all of a sudden, they're scouring the internet, desperate to find something to write about so they can keep their job. And, and more, than a, more than a random person, one of the editors at, at Food & Wine 
found our pizza and wrote a beautiful article was like, I'm ordering frozen pizza from Naples and you should too. And this is like right when everyone was locked at home, not knowing what would happen the next day. And we got flooded with orders. And I remember we call Italy and we tell them, hey, um, we're out of inventory. They're like, what, for the week? No, we're out of inventory. It's like, okay, for the month? No, no we, we finished everything in two days. And we had six months of inventory on hand. Two days of and, and the beautiful thing that happened is that our, our team in Italy, they essentially started going door to door to hire pizza chefs in Naples, Italy, at a time in which the country was in a national lockdown enforced by the police. And so there was one company in Naples that was going around the street, hiring pizza chefs, uh, giving them permits to go around and drive in the city to pick up ingredients because you couldn't get out of your home. They would, yeah. the police would stop you. And so here you had, you know, we went from tw- 10 pizza chefs. Today we have 29. Um, and so we, had, we built this team of 29 pizza chefs that make uh, north of 8,000 pizzas a day by hand. Um, and, and, you know, the beginning was e-commerce, 2020, 21. Then Whole Foods noticed us, thankfully, uh, great brand. And, and we started growing. And today we're also national with Sprouts. But, you know, we're, we have this kind of two-channel strategy that we're going to talk a bit more about. But, yeah, the, the start of the journey was just a, a small group of people who thought, we think it makes sense to sell it online. Not because, you know, because we thought that people want products from Italy direct to their door. And what better way than to do it via e-commerce where you have more storytelling? What we didn't account for, obviously, was just, you know, the fact that more people would be online than when we started. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the backstory. That is amazing. Talk about great timing. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I was uh, I originally was thinking the same thing because I, I, I had seen, obviously, you started the business before the pandemic started. And I was just like, all right, well, how was it doing prior to that? Because... Selling frozen pizza online, I don't even know how you would have done that. Um, obviously, you pulled it off. For the sake of this show, we'll, we'll probably stick to mostly business-related questions, but there is one I got to ask. There is such a strong difference between, or there's theories around such strong differences between like Neapolitan pizza, New York pizza, and Philadelphia, and Chicago, and California. And I just came back from California. Worst pizza I've ever had in my life. So <laughs> I'm going to ignore that one. But how do you define a Neapolitan pizza versus, like, I know you're based out of New York, which is also highly recommended in the States. So how do you clarify the differences of the two of those? So, you know, and, and, and I'll start by, by saying something. I don't think there is, Neapolitan pizza is better, or I don't think there is a type of pizza that is better than the other one. That's uh, actually the, the thing people ask me most of the time is, obviously, Neapolitan is better. It's like, no, it's yeah. different. And, and, you know, the beauty about pizza is that it's become international. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the difference is Neapolitan sticks to a very clear set of rules, authentic Neapolitan. Uh, we actually have, there's a guide. It's, uh, it's called uh, Guida della Pizza. There, there's a specific name for it in Italian. And it's the rules of how you make a Neapolitan pizza down to the T, like to the dough, the type of tomatoes, where they have to be from. And that is what makes Neapolitan pizza. It's round in shape. It's using a certain type of dough. You know, typically using water from Naples, which has a big concentration of limestone, is preferable because that's what gives it the authentic flavor. Uh, it has to be a wood-fired oven that has to be around certain temperatures. 
so on and so forth. So the whole preparation process is what defines a Neapolitan pizza. And by the way, it's not hit or miss. Like if you don't follow that process, it's not Neapolitan. It will just taste different. And that's okay. Like yeah. even in, in Rome, which is an hour north by train to Naples, the pizza is squared and fluffier. And that's a whole different thing. Um, yeah. New York pizza, again, different types of cheese, different approach to dough, much bigger in size. You know, Nepo- New York size pizzas, you buy a slice. Like we didn't have that in Italy, the Neapolitan yeah. New York took that. And it's, yeah. and it's fantastic. I, I went to school in the U.S. and I had Domino's at night. And that's fine. I mean, who doesn't love Domino's at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. No? Like- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. I didn't know that. It's, so it's almost like uh, it's almost like you would say uh, how it's like champagne in France, but then everything else is just sparkling wine. I didn't know that it was <laughs> like everything else. It's so specific of like it's got to come from here. That's interesting. If I ever go anywhere and they're serving Neapolitan pizza and I ask them, I'm bringing that up. That's yeah, yeah. Be my, my dinner conversation was like, did you know? <laughs> but, you know there's, there's a lot of ne- great Neapolitan pizzas in New York that follow that process. I don't know if they use water from Naples, yeah. but um, it, whenever you go to a Neapolitan restaurant in the U.S., you will see that some are certified from the authentic Neapolitan body of pizza. And that just tells you, not that you have to be, but it, it's kind of that, you know, that verified that you would get on yeah. Saying a little that. blue check mark. <laughs> blue check mark of pizza. Gotcha. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. So obviously, business takes off in uh, during the pandemic. Fantastic. Now we're headed on out of it. Yeah. That's a new issue. So what's the approach there? How are you? What are you doing to continue to grow it? What What's What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I I wish I knew the answer, but. Uh, <laughs> The the main thing is, first of all, the difference between today and the pandemic. So um, during the pandemic, you would put, this is also before iOS 14, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the end for digital media. Um, you would put an ad on Facebook and, and we would. We, we did a fair amount of Facebook because we tend to skew towards an older audience uh, because our pieces have been more expensive. Um and your return, your ROAS would be through the roof. Right? Your your return on ad spend would be, you know, 14, 15, whatever. And and so you can you could kind of cruise your way at the beginning. You're just using digital marketing if you had decent capital. The other main vehicle for us was uh, press PR, which remains uh, a very important vehicle. Um, and we were just learning how to get good on social. And TikTok was still up and coming. But so between press and Facebook and social and Instagram advertising with such high returns and low spend, we were growing solid, you know, like that was, and that was back in a day where, you know, digital media agency would roll into the room and be like, do you want us to make you rich? And then today is, you know, that, <laughs> that is gone. You know, iOS 14 really put, put an end to that. The, the return on investment really went down. Um, and so we had to get very creative. The biggest one remains for us to use press is visibility. We have our biggest challenge is the first purchase. Same in retail, e-commerce or retail. Why would I buy this more expensive pizza? Particularly on e-commerce where I'm asking you to spend north of $100 because I need to send you six or eight for the business to make sense. So why should you do that? And I need to have a good story. I need to have a good website. More important than I need to have some kind of brand ambassador. You know, when I venture on websites, I'm like, this looks interesting, but I have no reason to prove it. It usually never amounts to be a good purchase. So most of us go by recommendation, even as, you know, basic as Amazon recommends this, right? This is the better shampoo. You're like, I'm going to trust that, you know? Um, 
And, and so the most basic kind of recommendation we can get to bypass the initial purchase approach is press. Um, where we are having more challenges, and I, that's why I say I haven't cracked the code, is on social. And I know social influencers do a really good job at inviting people, especially in the world of beauty, fragrance where I was, you know, influencers are just take so much business online. Yeah. In the world of food, I know in, in restaurants, food influencers, foodies travel. In the world of frozen grocery, I, we haven't cracked the code yet. How do I convince you to go on Fresh Direct, to go on TallyNapoli.com, or to go to your Whole Foods and buy this brand? How do I track that? And so, you know, the beauty about digital marketing was that you could track everything. Uh, press, you kind of can, because if I'm speaking to you and then I can see some people going on the website and so forth, yeah. traceable. Influencers, if they have a link, you know, if uh, a coupon or, or they make commission, traceable. But other than that, the general awareness spending is terrifying because, you know, someone will come to you and be like, put 20K in visibility and then, you know, maybe you'll see a lift, maybe you won't. And so the real challenge for us is how, what, how do we use social how does it generate sales for us? And what is the level of investment we do there compared to PR, compared to digital media? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you let me know when you crack that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, you know, that's the biggest problem too with CPG brands just in general, because yeah. you, you can have the world's best, you know, return policy for any other product. But as soon as you try it, if you don't like it, you're screwed. So when someone buys something online and it's a food, it's always such a big challenge to get them to actually make that jump. Because if someone hasn't told them, like, you got to get it, it's amazing, they're not really going to believe the business because like they're biased and they're just trying to sell their food. And then the return policy is like, you can return it if you didn't eat it. And chances are you already ate it. So that becomes a problem as well. The influencer side is interesting. So you're you haven't been able to crack the code of influencers that are willing to do like frozen grocery. So we found the the this plan of influencers that that can do a lot of great things. We haven't cracked the code financially. We don't see the return on investment. Like if I put X amount an influencer, there's an argument that it creates great visibility and notoriety. Fantastic, but yeah, like. At the end of the month, am I breaking even at this? Yes or no? No. Then you might argue with me. Yeah, but you need to spend money to make money. Sure. You know, it's been it's been a few years. <laughs> and so, like, how do we kind of, what are the activities which go over simply, hey, you should try this pizza. Like, is it brand partnerships? In my opinion, that's a big one. Is it collaborations? Like, how do I make it more so than just a post that is on your feed that tells you that you should buy this pizza? How do I generate that intrinsic attraction to a brand? Um, and you know, I don't, I don't think we're too far, but it's, uh, um, you have to find an angle through some kind of ambassador through some kind of partnership that makes people want to do the job. We're very lucky in the sense that once you do make the first purchase, our retention program is very, very good. That's where, you know, I high five our team every day. Um, our open rate on EDM is on uh, emails and SMS is astronomical. It's in the region of 70%. Uh, whenever we send a promotion, people just flood to the website. And so our existing customer base is loyal. We have a very good customer service team. Uh, you know, we answer every day. So it, it's a very good community. Is how do we enrich the community? So much of our business is returning customers versus new customers, which, you know, for some companies might say, well, that's a great problem to have because we struggle to retain. I struggle to, you know, make you jump to buy a frozen pizza for the first time for $100 plus online. And I get it. I wouldn't. 
you know, if, unless I had a really good reason. Like, why would I buy $150 worth of ice cream from this brand from Italy I've never heard of? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot. And it's not exactly healthy food, right? It's it's pleasurable food, but I'm not exactly telling you this is going to make you skinnier. It's pizza. Yeah. So it's, yeah. uh, it, it's you, you need to have a lot of brand attraction, which is what we're trying to create. Yeah. What kind of partnerships are you exploring? Um, so... You know, we're, we're looking at partnerships with um, the ones that are working best for us lately are with other food brands. And so right now we're doing meat partnerships like prosciutto and these kind of things, uh, which I think are wonderful because they, they, you, they enrich your purchase experience. Like, why don't you put, you know, prosciutto on it? Why don't you put, you know, salad or this kind of oil and so on and so forth? The ones that we're going to start to explore more are also, um, you know, what about this oven brand? What about this pizza peel? What about this, you know, kitchen accessories? Um, and then, you know, there's the world of what is something that goes well with pizza that isn't related to it? Is it ice cream? Is it, you know, wh- how can you make this fun? Um, yeah. How can you make the purchase kind of vibrating and, and interesting? Nice. What's uh, So you're also retail, obviously you mentioned, and your e-commerce. A, what's the split, like, uh, of the business? What's kind of the one that's doing better than the other? And then B, like... What's it like operating from an e-commerce and a real te- retail perspective? Because usually it tends to be really heavy on one for a while and then someone ventures into the other. But even with where you're at, it seems to be a relatively like close split unless I'm wrong. Yeah. So the, the split for us actually at this point in time is around 50-50, which is interesting. Wow. It used yeah. to be 80% e-commerce, 20% retail. And to your point, at the beginning, e-commerce takes an enormous time to set up. Uh, in our case, even logistically, because, you know, we have four distribution centers around the country that we had to set up, three PLs, uh, sync them to our Shopify, to our e-commerce platform, in order to be able to ship and the pizza right frozen. So the logistical setup in e-commerce was astronomical. In retail, at the beginning, retail is slow, food retail, for any business, because they need to notice you. They need to accept you. They have resets. They only take you in at certain times of the year. And at first, when you get into a supermarket, you're selling you know two, three units a day. Um, and so the volume game isn't there yet. And so retail requires an enormous amount of patience, much more time. But it's kind of a train. It's slow at the start. And then once you're at cruising speed, you're going. And so, and retailers, you know, they not a lot of retailers like to to be the first one, which I can respect, you know, but so when, when you got into, when we got into Whole Foods, uh, we go to the next retailer. like, Hey, we sell at Whole Foods. And they're like, Oh my God. Okay. Fine. I thought you guys were, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, and then we got into Sprouts and that was like, okay, national with Sprouts. Mm-hmm. Still Whole Foods. And so, and then you start to have meetings with meetings with retailers and, and they hear of you and it's such a small industry. And so over time, you know, retail, you know, skyrocketed during the pandemic, uh, sorry, e-commerce, then kind of plateaued. And now is back at, you know, a more, you know, traditional growth. Retail was slow, slow, slow. And then you get those two, three accounts and it just goes off. Mm-hmm. Um, they both require an enormous amount of maintenance because frankly, it's like running two different businesses. You need people with two different set of skills. Our e-commerce marketing director is phenomenal at what she does. But it's not our job to know, you know, when do we submit for a whole food reset and when do we submit the promotion? Different jobs, different industries. And so yes. we literally have a retail team and then we have an e-commerce team. And, you know, 
in a perfect boardroom conversation, there is cross-pollination, cooperation, and there is. And we want the consumer and retail to also go on e-commerce and vice versa. But operationally, it's different set of skills that require different meetings, different maintenance, um, and uh, and very different strategies as well. And so we're, we're one product, two channels, and, you know, two teams. Uh, and it's quite interesting at the end of the day. Are you doing anything to cross-pollinate that? I would imagine like <clears throat> focusing retail on a bit more of a customer acquisition and having some kind of aspect maybe within the packaging or on the box itself to get them back to the site. Like what's that whole approach for like with the like regards to packaging and that kind of stuff? Yeah. And so this is, you know, this is where you can get in a lot of trouble because uh, the moment someone says, you know, the goal of e-commerce is to steal consumers from retail. <laughs> Hopefully, I hope you're not listening. But, uh, <laughs> but, but in our case, it really, yeah, in our case, it's really not the strategy because on e-commerce, we have, uh, you know, a lot of very high end flavors that you would struggle to sell in retail. Uh, and we have to send you six or eight of them. Uh, mm-hmm. While in retail, we sell our you know best-selling flavors, margarita, mozzarella, day to day, and you can buy one or two. So they don't really compete; they serve a different purpose. And so, on my packaging, I'm going to tell you, hey, check us out on our website if you want more information and more flavors. On my website, I'm like, hey, you only want to buy one or two? Here's where you can find them at your local store. Yeah. And so that way, they're complementing each other. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. So from an advertising perspective, are you focusing in regions where you're only available in retail so that at least you're getting that brand lift and, you know, someone who's near like that Whole Foods is doing it? Or are you still doing advertising nationwide? So my advertising is really focused around big cities for e-commerce, big centers where the consumer that wants is kind of, you know, product is generally focused and then you know we try to capture states that are not as dense over time for retail it is indeed only targeted in the regions where i know i operate so you know in regions where i'm not in alaska yet unfortunately in retail i don't think so um and so i don't have any digital marketing there yet uh in new york northeast you know the bastion of frozen food uh you know we put all of all of our advertising money for retail uh, a lot of it goes in there. Yeah. yeah beautiful Edward, thank you so much for being on the show. I don't want to take up too much more time. I know you guys are super busy over there. This was great. Really appreciate it. I'd love to give you an opportunity here to let everyone know where they can find out more about you and, of course, more about your business. Thank you. More about the business, certainly on our e-commerce, taliadinapoli.com, and and for me on on my LinkedIn. But, you know, my life is pizza, so Talia, the Talia website is the right place to find us all. Perfect. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for being on the show. Everyone else who tuned in, of course, thank you as well. Please do the usual thing. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Or head over to ecomshow.com to check out all of our other episodes. But as usual, I really appreciate everyone joining. Edward, of course, you as well. And we will see you all next time. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thank you.